You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Four man rush. Manning still gets pressure. Now there's Barkley again. A first down leaping over people. Saquon Barkley. First down for the Giants. He jumped over Adrian Amos, the safety, and he picked up 17. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Grump. Getting ready for another weekend of Giants football, and we're actually going to be together again at uh, at Giants Stadium. Looking forward to it. That's right. 1 o'clock, MetLife Stadium on Sunday. The Giants are hosting the Arizona Cardinals in uh, what was a – what year was that? Like a 1993 division matchup? Yeah. <laughs> that was a strange one, you know, just because the Cardinals played in – St. Louis, and you know they back when we had five teams in the division, they were just kind of thrown into that NFC East, and then they played in Arizona, which is pretty strange. And the NFC East team was playing so far west. So were were they the Phoenix Cardinals at that time? They were the Phoenix Cardinals, and then they became the Arizona Cardinals after. They definitely started off as Phoenix. Yeah, that was the first Giants game I ever attended. Was a Giants Cardinals division game. Oh, interesting. I had nose I was I think I was three rows from the top. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> and uh, you know, it comes full circle now as I'm uh thirty two rows away from the end zone watching the Arizona Cardinals come to MetLife. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I, uh, a lot of excitement in the air. You know, some people think that this Giants team uh I saw something today on on Twitter. Somebody had a le- legitimate roadmap how this team can go ten and six. I think they were talking about it on NFL Network. Or yeah, yeah. I, I, one of them. I I saw the clip. I didn't click on it to have the sound. I just, you know, I'm I'm staying out of that. But there is reason for optimism this week. We got a bunch of good news. Um, somehow Saquon Barkley is a full participant this week. Uh, today, Thursday, Evan Ingram was a full participant this. week. Uh, today, Wayne Gallman was a full participant. Olson Pierre was a full participant, and Sam Beal was a fi- officially restored from his IR position and will be eligible to return as early as Week Eight, which is not this coming Sunday, but the one coming up after. Fantastic! Yeah, I mean that—that's a lot of good news in one day. Well, let, let's talk for a second. You know, now we're getting into Week Seven. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people had pegged before the season started, this would logically be the week that Daniel Jones would take over for Eli. You're thinking we would be like, you know, two and four, one and five, going into the New England game, lose that game, have a bunch of time off, you know, 10 days or so. So we're a little ahead of his schedule and the Daniel Jones kind of getting his feet wet. How do you feel this team right now is progressing from week one to week now? Yeah, to week whatever we are now, week seven. <laughs> week now. Week now. You like that? Now that's what I call football, <laughs> volume 30. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot – a lot of what feeds into this sort of playoff talk or winning the division talk is how bad the Cowboys and Eagles are playing relative to how good they should be playing. There's no reason why the Giants at 2-4 and four should be anywhere near one game out of first place, and yet here we are. Um, 
So, I mean, that's that's a big portion of the optimistic talk. On the other side of the, the equation, though, is they're coming off of, from a fan standpoint, a, a moral victory in New England. I mean, they got completely outclassed, you know, by the box score, and even if you look at some of the stats, but a young defense that in weeks one and two were ghastly, um, really, truly showed up to play. We've seen consistent pass rush the last couple weeks now. Um, you know, starting against a woeful Redskins team. Uh, actually, I would say it even started against the Tampa Bay team, moved on to the woeful Redskins team. And even in the loss to Minnesota, we're really pressuring Kirk Cousins. And that continued against an even better New England offensive line. And they've so they've they've steadily been showing this consistent pass rush, you know, as the competition has gotten better. Their pass rush has not dropped off. In fact, I would say they even showed up more against New England than against Minnesota. Um, so there's reason for optimism there. The secondary does not look nearly as shredded as they did in the first two weeks. I mean, good God. It, w- it was a lot like watching one of those cupcake week one and two NCAA games the yeah. first couple weeks. Just the way yeah. – I mean – Every drive had a 40, 30-yard pass on it, sometimes more than once in one drive. I mean it's just embarrassing, uh, yeah. shameful. And now we, we, I think we saw what one against New England, one of the best passers of all time. Uh, you know, Granted, on a windy night, but there were times when he was going with the wind with his throws. So, right. Um, and guys, are, a lot of the problems we were seeing in early wasn't so much there were 50-yard bombs being completed every time. We were seeing like – 15-yard slants that guys just would weave through a poor secondary. So yeah. It looked you know, like there was just nobody within that guy for about exactly. five to ten yards. And that's a lot of what New England's offense is. You didn't see many guys shaking loose like we had earlier in the season. So, And, and I think that you know the fact that the, the Giants were staying in the game without so many of the star offense players weapons. they expect yeah. Yeah, to, 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 to be a integral part of the scoring machine you know it it really boosted fans um perception of the team um and i i think that that's kind of where we're seeing that optimism where i see this team is performing much better than i expected i still think what i had originally said at the beginning of the year is is true i mean this is a seven and nine i would say a six and ten to a nine and seven at best team and there is an off chance that they're competing for a wild card spot which is markedly better than what we've seen in the last three years yeah seasons were over once we hit october 1st for all intents and purposes last few years right. i i mean you're right i i am really we've said this all along on this show i'm not looking at this season in terms of Really, well, what is Dallas and what is Philly dealing? It's just kind of like, are we seeing the progression from week to week that this team is building and learning and growing together? And you know something? If we get into post-Thanksgiving and a while and a playoff spot is potentially at hand, I'll start getting excited about that. But right, right, right at this moment, you know, it's fun to kind of think about for maybe a second or two and kind of peek over and see, you know, Dallas lose to the Jets, although it kind of screwed me in my survivor pool. I mean, it's kind of fun to look over and peek and see Philly with a pretty brutal defense right now. Uh, but I really am not going to get myself wrapped into the possibilities of, I'm still completely heads down on seeing the development of 
Daniel Jones, seen the development of this defense, you know, what's going to shake out the trade deadline if anything actually does, and kind of seeing where this team is in week 17 as opposed to where it was in week one. That's where my head is. If we're there in December, fantastic. It's kind of, uh, it's playing with house money, but it's not what I'm basing this season on and what I'm basing my expectations and false hopes for. Yeah, I mean, we had a whole episode dedicated to what we were expecting from that New England game. We both knew that it was going to be a loss, but what we were looking for, I mean, I I think I I had the Christmas of all Christmases where Santa pretty much checked everything off the list that I was looking for. Yeah. Um, well, so, Santa would provide Santa would provide a win too. So, <laughs> I mean, not if you don't fucking ask for it. <laughs> well, hey, man, if you are sitting on Santa's lap and you forgot to ask for the present you really want, that's that's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, not all of us left cookies out that night. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, this this year is a lot about setting up. We, we, it's important to take a step back and keep in mind that we have several draft. I, of course, I go to quote a stat, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think we have somewhere close to uh, nine or ten draft picks next year is projected, mm-hmm. and a, a bunch more cap space. Um, we don't have a whole lot of upcoming deals that we have to worry about next year. You know, we're in a position where next year is really our year to be good. Anything that we get that is remotely competitive this year, come week 14, 15, 16, 17, is a bonus. So yes. really, we're, we're just looking to set the pieces up for next year. That's my yeah. expectation. See, my expectation is I think we're setting ourselves up for 2021. I think, again, with all the draft picks, and we may not use all those draft picks. We may package them to move up and down in the draft you know, for different things. I think we're setting up for the year after when this bumper crop will be in his second year and, you know, we're really we no longer have guys on the Betcher defense that were brought in to teach the guys how to play the defense. The defense is the standard and everybody knows what they're doing. So I think next year is one of those where you're gonna see even bigger improvements than this year, but I think we're really setting up to start making the serious playoff runs in 2021. And I'm fine. Well, sure, but I, but I think there's a legitimate shot, uh, of course, based on right now's perspective, a legitimate shot that next year they're in the hunt for the division title. Uh, I, that to me is a little aggressive. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's not, not what I'm expecting to okay. be competing. But, you know, we're, we're, we're talking, we're not talking about this as a five-year plan. We're talking about, you know, next year is going to be year three of the get in, yeah. you know, master plan. And you should start seeing results. And again, that means I don't expect next year to be five and 11 or six and 10. I expect next year to be a 500 to slightly above 500 team. I just think in 2021 is really that year when all the pieces are really in place for, you know, taking that next step. And I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with that timeline too. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm fine with any timeline that, you know, leads us in that direction. So yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, there there is real cause for optimism. You know, I don't think it's absurd for Giants fans to be optimistic. I don't think it's absurd to route out how the Giants could compete this year. I just, you know, I'm not concerned with that right now because it's not really. Not to say it's not the focus. I mean, every year you compete. You 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 game plan you set up a roster to compete every year 
But, you know, again, this is all a bonus. I would say uh, optimism should not be confused with expectations. Yes. We're not quite at expectations yet. We are at optimistic stage right now. I think there's a big distinction. When, when you start talking really about playoffs, you're starting to set expectations for what this team should be. And we are not at that level yet. We are at the we're optimistic for what we're seeing. We are seeing the roadmap being followed. We're seeing the green shoots of a, a rookie quarterback who's going to be up and down. We're seeing the green shoots of a talented but very, very young secondary have its good weeks and bad weeks. So, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but, you know, I think you're, you can slowly see it trending up. And I think we're starting this week with Arizona. I think this is the first time this year I really feel, and I haven't done this once this season, predicted a giant win. And I'm going to kind of, you know, get a little bit out of sequence that we normally do on this show. This is the first time this year I'm actually predicting a giant victory. Really? Okay. Um, let, let's, I mean, let's jump right into it and then we'll explain our picks. So where, where do you see this game heading? Um, I think, you know, people keep forgetting that when you have these young rookie quarterbacks like the Kyler Murrays out there in the world and uh, even the Daniel Jones is that they are ripe for having that turd in the toilet game. Hmm. You know, this is a team that has to go cross country, play a one o'clock game against a, a pass rush, which you alluded to in the beginning of the show is starting to improve. Um, Offensive line is not very good at all. Uh, I just have the feeling that this is going to be one of those games where, you know, things finally come together at home. And I wouldn't say this is even a game they should win, but just one of those that feels to me like they're going to win. Yeah, um, that's a really good point about the uh, the the shitter game for a rookie. Uh, and, and and really, you're right. It has all the markings for that. You know, Arizona has to come cross country. They're come. They're getting the Giants at their strongest all year. It looks like should Barkley, Ingram, Gallman, and Pierre all be active. I mean, there's still a chance that Sterling Shepard is active. Just because I didn't list him as a full participant does not mean he wasn't limited because he was. Um, I I don't think he's going to play this game, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And if that's the case, then they are by by all means getting the Giants at the healthiest they've ever been this year. Um, it's just there's a lot of things coming together at the right time. And, you know, I know Arizona won last week, but if anyone watched that game, they should have lost. I mean, the referees really, really gifted them a touchdown with a, a missed call for a fumble mm-hmm. um, pretty early in the game. Uh, I mean, I, I know that we have our basically weekly – conversation about the replay rules and all that stuff but I, I don't think I've ever seen a replay that more clearly showed a fumble that was not that was not called you know in the last couple of years so what I did see in watching that game was uh, you know every bit of uh, a team that was just dreadful last year you know and they were and they were dreadful last they year. were horrendous um you know, a whole lot of uh, running straight up the middle by Atlanta. And, you know, I know Atlanta has some good running backs, and nobody really thinks of Atlanta when you say good offensive line play and, uh, you know, some, some great running game. 
You know, it's just not what comes to mind. And yet they were just ripping chunks of yards off right up the middle. And, uh, you know, this is a team that went through a head coaching change last year and then went through another one this year. It's just the roster is just not set to be competitive this year. And the biggest weakness to me is right there on the defensive line. I mean, I think you could just, with Barkley coming back and with knock on wood, the health we've had on the mm-hmm. offensive line, I, I think we could win this game just running the ball. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could very well be. Um, let me ask you something. We've seen quite a bit of uh, criticism of Nick Soldier lately. Um, what do you think about this? You know, we've seen some people saying that you know when the trade deadline comes up, he should be traded. I mean, even I think it's a little foolish. But what, what's been your take on the way he's been playing lately? I mean, Nate Solar to me is an average to above average left tackle. Um, he, the criticism of him, I can understand Giants fans having it. You know, he he's had a rough couple of weeks. He was exposed, um, but you know, it's important to understand that Dave Gettleman didn't just throw money at him. It's just this is the way that the football market works. Every year. The, the the top free agent at a position becomes the highest paid at that position. He's not necessarily the best, but it just is what it is. And mm-hmm. Nate Solder was the best tackle on the free agent market. We had the money for him. He spent it. It was always, in my opinion, a Band-Aid solution to make this team competitive, to protect a young quarterback when he comes in, to keep Eli Mann, to... to completely fix a devastated offensive line. Just just an awful offensive line. It was the stopgap solution to getting the guy you truly want that you can build around. Um, you know, he was never the solution. You know what I mean? This is just a bridge. And, you know, Nate Solder had a rough couple of weeks. And I got to tell you, I don't think he's going to have much better of a week this week. I think he's it's a good thing that he has been one of the worst looking guys in the offensive line. People should try to understand that. You know, when he first came on the team last year, he was probably the best offensive line player we had. You know, Jalapio went down very early, um, and we were, you know, went to Spencer Pulley, who played okay. Will Hernandez did not play great to start the season. He got better as the year went on. You know, and we completely just shuffled the right side of the offensive line throughout the year. You know, Omame was in and out. Uh, I think at one point we, John Jerry was in there, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Was he already gone? I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I think he, I think he was in early on. Yeah, and then you know Chad Wheeler was in at right tackle. Eric Flowers was moved around. You know. Yeah. Last year, he was the most consistent and best offensive line piece. He hasn't gotten worse. The rest of the offensive line has gotten better. This is a good thing that he's the worst one. As far as trading him goes, the idea is absolutely ludicrous to me because I don't even know who is the the backup left tackle. Chad Slade? Who's going to play? Well, that was my point is that you know, well, you may be – stupid. I mean that's you, just dumb. Yeah, you may be underwhelmed with his performance this year but – are you going to tell me you're going to have a a sub NFL player protecting the blind side of your franchise quarterback of the future? No fucking way. Yeah, it's I, not going to happen. So, and also, again, that's a typical fan. I'm not saying a giant fan. Just a fan thinks, 
I think this guy is garbage. I'm going to trade him and get three first-round picks for him yeah. because everybody else thinks he's fantastic. I mean, I, we can put this a related story how Patrick Mahomes, we're recording this on a Thursday night. We're in the third quarter of the game as we record, but went down with it looks like a patella dislocation. Couldn't have been more than five minutes after he was you know, on the sidelines. Would Kansas City be interested in Eli Manning? Like <laughs> – Give me a break, guys. I mean, the body's still warm. And again, <laughs> if you really – does anybody anybody seriously think that Eli Manning at this point can come in and do the job for a – not just a team like that's a scrub team where he can play, a team that's probably one of three to four favorites to win the, NF, the uh, Super Bowl this year? Come on. You all think he stinks. You all think he's washed up. Andy Reid's not going to go like that's the missing piece we need to you know, the, to salvage the season. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's one of those fan things. Uh, you know, guys, you're not GMs. Uh, you know, you may have been right about something at some point where you called a a bad signing before it was proven or something like that. But that doesn't make you a GM. This this. Trade doesn't happen. I mean, just think about it. I, I don't know. If you want to compare it to, like, baseball card-like level, like, you, you know what I mean? Nobody's nobody's trading for for your your garbage. Nobody wants to give up their their treasures for your trash. Well, first it's just of not all, how it works. Does Kansas City even have whatever $14, 15000000 million in cap space to absorb Eli Manning? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. So let's let's talk about some facts before we start, uh, you know, worrying about things like that. Like, is it even feasible? And I even love some of these people on Twitter. Like, this probably isn't realistic and doesn't make sense, but they should try to get them. Well, if it's unfeasible and unrealistic, end of discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get into fantasy life. It's, you know, as far as uh, you know, bringing this back to Nate Solder, you know. Like I said, I, I think that uh, I know a lot of people think that the, the Giants are going to focus on, you know, getting perhaps another wide receiver in the draft, or or you know, in free agency, or a pass rusher, or an inside linebacker, a, a safety to play with Jabril Peppers. You know, those are all positions that come up. I, tackle is definitely going to be on the board early. Um, I was truly surprised, and I'm not saying I was surprised in a bad way, but I really thought that they would target Andre Dillard. And uh, just to wait in the wings, maybe play right tackle and then swing over to left for when they were ready to move him. But uh, he seemed like exactly what they wanted at left tackle. I thought they were going to pull the trigger. This past draft, it will it will happen before the ex- expiration on Nate Solder's contract. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they probably want maybe a year to kind of groom him to be ready. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't and, think you, maybe maybe not even a year. Maybe he'll be ready midway through a season. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. Um, but again, I want to emphasize that Nate Solder being the worst, the, the weakest link on this offensive line couldn't be more of a good thing. The rest of the offensive line is not playing poorly. They have not gotten worse. They've gotten better. That's that's really all there is to it. Mm-hmm. 
and and like I said, the, the key for me this week is going to be exactly what Atlanta did to them. It's just going to be just run the ball up the middle, hit them right in the weak spot, and just keep hitting them, and let that run up the middle set up a play action against a, a really talented. I mean, I love the uh, the secondary that's been put together by Arizona, but they are young and they are giving up some some big pass plays, and it's just because. They're young and in a brand new system. And, you know, you've got young linebackers biting on play action. It creates those seams, those gaps, you know, right behind them and behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties for guys like Evan Ingram to get open. And, you know, Golden Tate, I mean, you name it. This this offensive firepower, they can run any route across the middle of the field. So, um, I mean, that that to me is the key right there. As far as Kyler Murray goes, that's going to be an actual challenge. I, I I expect the pass rush to continue to pressure him, but I'm not expecting a whole lot of QB hits. I mean, this guy was born to get away from hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think what I've seen from uh, the Cardinals has been smart, where they don't really design run with Murray too often, but they continue to threaten him with things like you know, the run pass option or pitch option plays. And the only way to really beat that is with assignment football. You know what I mean? Just stay in your gaps, stay in your rush lanes. Don't try and do somebody else's job because he will burn you because he's that fast. And so are the other running backs on this team. Yeah. You're kind of saying a little bit what I was about to say, like one of the keys for him is just don't have an undisciplined pass rush at him. You don't need to bring the house for him. Kind of keep him in his lanes and, you know, will be fine, I think. I think you can kind of confuse him that way. If you just come at him just, you know, full blitzing and stuff and he gets away, there's going to be lots of real estate for him to run. Yeah, the, the pass rush really has to encircle him. It's really got to be a disciplined one-on-one win. They've really uh-huh. just got the, – the the coming around, like you said, bringing the fifth guy and, and you know, creating a gap, that's – not, that's that works really well against the likes of Tom Brady. It doesn't exactly. work great against a Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the weather look like um, this weekend? Some showers later on in the day. Um, Sixty-two. Not not too not nearly as windy it is now, but you know, fall like. Just, just, just a fall day, man. Not, not when you picture fall as like that sunny day where you go apple picking and flannel, but that <laughs> wet bullshit where you you come inside and there's like a thousand maple leaves stuck to the bottom of your shoe, uh, just cold and your nose is runny. That's the kind of fall day I I think we're in. For. Sound, sounds like Irish coffee's in the Jameson room, my friend. You know what? It today right now sounds like Irish coffee's in the Jameson room. Um. I'll, I'll take those whenever you're offering. Hey, man, let's do it. This is this is ideal to me. Football weather. This is this is football weather. It's not. Yeah. It, it's just shitty out, but it's not freezing. Um, it's just just a blustery, cold day. You know. Yeah, my point for that was I wonder what the conditions would be affecting one team or another. I mean, you know, we're gonna be. It sounds like our keys to victory are pounding the rock, pounding the rock. And this might be something where, you know, if we have some windy conditions or blustery, it might be better suited for us who are going to go to a ground game. Yeah. I mean, it might be a little wet out. Um, 
I, I'm not really sure. I think it's not supposed to rain till later on in the day, but you know, but this shit, you can never really tell if it's going to be one of those random misty mornings, you know, just slick with dew. Uh, so <laughs> I think once we start getting into these months, the more games where you can set up the, the tempo by running the ball, the better. Mm-hmm. Where we are, we're not one of those teams like Minnesota where we can play in you know the day before Christmas in uh, you know sixty degree weather in a dome. Mm-hmm. So, well, I already showed my slip. What is uh, what's your prediction for uh, for Saturday Sunday? I th- I, I, uh, I think we win, uh, but I do think it's close. I I think some of our discipline issues in the pass rush uh, get exposed. And I, I think there's there's one or two deep balls that I think get away just because of Murray's ability to extend plays in the pocket. But I do think that we win. I, I think that Arizona is just – they're a year behind us in their rebuild phase. They might have gotten their quarterback first, but that doesn't mean that the rest of the roster is set up yet. And uh, I think that we score early and often. We start biting our nails toward the end, but they're not able to, to come away with everything they need. I think this is a 27-24 game Giants win. Yeah, I, I didn't give a prediction either. A score yet? Uh, I think this is going to be a little lower scoring. I I think Arizona's going to have trouble scoring. I see this as kind of something like a twenty-one to ten Giants victory. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, with that, guys, uh, we hope to see you Sunday. But in between now and Sunday. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. And the podcast has its own Twitter at JustGiantsPod, as well as being available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and any other podcast thing you can think of. Yeah. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where my life is starting to – my head won't be swimming as much with so many things going on. My rays are out of the playoffs and – Watching this on a Thursday night, watching the Yankees circling the drain is giving me some uh, quiet cheer as well. Hoping tomorrow is Yankee Elimination Day. So all you Giant fans are all Yankee fans. Welcome to my world of no World Series again this year. Reminder, you have won this millennium. Um, but anyway, you know, all your Giant takes and, and Florida Gator t- chat, I'm the one to talk to at the Cranky Fan. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, we're trying to get listeners, not run them off. Thanks. Thanks so much for your hard work. All right, guys. Uh, you know, if you're heading out to the Arizona game, come say hi. We'll be in the Jameson room before the game. We'll try to get there early, yeah? Yeah, we'll All be right. there early. Sure. All right, everyone. Let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.